Hi, my name is Carrie Trepas, and my husband Greg and I, with our two tiny kids, have been attending Newcom for about 12 years. I've been in a small group for about 11 of those years, and it is absolutely one of the best things in my life right now. One of my favorite things about Newcom and the reason I feel so connected to it and love it is that it really feels like a safe and open church where you can ask scary questions, talk about things that feel really big, and don't have to worry about feeling judged or feeling like you're in the wrong for bringing up a question. It's really nice. I'm always bringing up half-formed thoughts at small group. I feel like I, I'm allowed to say things before they're fully formed while I'm still working them out, and that's one thing I love about it. On that note, welcome to Newcom's service today. I hope that you're ready to be here and experience God's love for you just as you are. Welcome. Good morning, new community. This morning, we have a reflection for you. I want to have you imagine sitting across from Christ. I want you to imagine him reminding you of certain important truths. I'm going to read two passages. These are his words spoken to you. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want you to take a moment and just reflect. What does the face of Christ look like as these words are spoken over you? Is there anything in your spirit resisting these words? If so, what needs to be handed over to Jesus to allow your spirit to embrace and welcome the power of this truth? I want to encourage you to spend a moment in prayer asking the Spirit of God to create a space in your heart to receive these words from God. I'm going to read both passages again. Receive these words as if spoken by Jesus to you. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. For I am sure that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We reflect on this and pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, new community. This is Jocelyn Newby, missing you and coming to you from sunny Denver, Colorado. New community, please join me in this corporate prayer adapted from Andreas Wagner. Lord, we thank you for the church and its many expressions, some of them continuing old traditions, others exploring new ways of worship, and all of them serving you. That all of those who proclaim the gospel may be blessed abundantly, let us pray. Have mercy, O God. Lord God, Heavenly Father, bless your church in all corners of the earth and in all its wonderful expressions. Inspire people of our time to serve you and become your disciples. May their interests turn into devotion and transform lives. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Holy living God, pour out your spirit upon your people. Inspire unity and mission throughout the church. Bring people together to discover their common humanity, liberals and conservatives, agnostics and believers, rich and poor, artists and business people, urban and suburban. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Holy Trinity, one God, you have joined us together as sisters and brothers in Christ. We thank you for the gift of sharing ministry and collaboration between different churches and organizations. Heal the wounds dividing your church and make us better witnesses to your love of the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Good morning, new community. 
This morning we are continuing in our series on the life of Jesus, looking at a different event or teaching in the life of Jesus and reflecting on that moment in time and its implications for us as followers of Jesus. Now last week Kevin spoke on what we do not know about the early life of Christ and did an excellent job of bringing what we do know to the foreground. The book of Matthew has an interesting series of events at its start. You see the birth, you see Jesus and his family fleeing for safety, and then it skips from Jesus returning from Egypt as a refugee to Jesus being 30 years old. Nothing in between. We are all at once transported to the baptism and subsequent ministry of Jesus. And today we are looking at that baptism an often overlooked event that is seldom placed in the more significant moments in the life of Christ. And my hope this morning is to, in part, recover the deep meaning of this event for our own spirituality. Because I believe that the baptism of Jesus is not just an event that happened to Jesus, but an event that happens to us. This morning, we will talk about baptism as sacrament and image and then discuss baptism's importance to Jesus and to us. So baptism, we'll look at four things, sacrament, image, Jesus, us. Sacrament. Now, when discussing baptism, it is important to talk about the sacrament in general. Baptism at the time of Christ would have been a big deal. You have to remember that first century people living in Palestine were required to swear allegiance to Rome on pain of death. This act of swearing allegiance was called a sacramentum. This is where we get the word sacrament, which means to vow or to swear an oath, or in other terms, to pledge allegiance. Baptism in current times and in our Western culture has become a nice little rite of passage, or as some describe a thin place where the ordinary and the sacred meet. But in contrast, in the first century, this sacrament of baptism was enough to bring a death sentence upon whoever partook of the waters. This is because the act of baptism was an act of resistance. Resistance to the empire of Rome. Resistance to Caesar, because pledging allegiance to anyone other than him was an act of sedition punishable by death. It was also a resistance to the powers of the temple and the corrupt religious system. N.T. Wright talks about the difficulty of our culture to understand the weight of baptism. He says to understand we should, quote, go to a country like Pakistan today. If somebody gets baptized, everybody knows what's going on. You are leaving this community and you're joining this other community. It really is a death to that whole identity and the structures and the networks and all the rest of it. And it's a coming alive to this new one, which is very scary. And in many countries and many traditions today, if someone gets baptized, they may not live very long. It's a dangerous thing to do. It's interesting that sometimes people of other faiths recognize the huge importance of baptism better than we Christians recognize it ourselves. Baptism is a sacrament whereby we pledge our life 
to Christ. Our second word, image. Baptism is filled with imagery. The passage in Matthew 3, 13 through 17 reads, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. In this short passage, there is imagery that is quite moving. Central to that is water. The imagery of water is profound in the scriptures. Water is the very stuff of life, an essential element in the cosmos. Without water, life cannot exist. This reference to water should compel readers to reflect back to historical moments. They should think of the creation of the world with the Spirit hovering over the waters. It should remind readers of the flood story with the dove being sent out over the waters. Additionally, it should remind readers of the Red Sea and the exodus from slavery into freedom that required being passed through the waters. The Jordan River is another important reference point. Geographically, symbolically, and theologically, the Jordan River is significant. It is a symbol of movement from one condition to another. It was the movement from the wilderness to the promised land, from life as survival to a life that was thriving. We see it as a movement from a life before Christ to a life of forgiveness, a transfer from death to life. All of this is powerful imagery. Baptism is filled with deep importance as a sacrament, but it also carries this profound imagery. Now this brings us to Jesus and us. I want to try to answer the question, what did baptism mean for Jesus, and then what does it mean for us? So first, what did the baptism mean for Jesus? Now, biblical scholars are divided on the intentions of Jesus and his decision to ask John to baptize him. You have Jesus, who is without sin, asking to participate in an act that in Judaism at the time was all about ritual cleansing and repentance from sin. Some speculate Jesus was intending to demonstrate his solidarity with sinners. Others describe the baptism of Jesus as an act of modeling. I'm doing this. You should then follow my example. But one thing we do know is that this act was a movement from obscurity to ministry. The baptism of Jesus is the moment in which the divine authority of Jesus is made public. It serves as a sort of inauguration for his future ministry and a confirmation of his deity. As he comes out of the water, the Spirit of God descends like a dove, and a voice from heaven says, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is a statement that Jesus is the one we've been waiting for, that this 
is him, that the Messiah is here. This is a profound moment moving Jesus from obscurity to ministry. But this act also is a connection with the cross. The baptism of Jesus was for him a signal to the world that he was being baptized for the sins of the people, that he would die and rise again. N.T. Wright says, the idea of associating baptism with Easter always was and still is a proper Christian instinct. Just as many Christians, just as for many Christians, the truth of Easter is something they glimpse occasionally rather than grasp and act on. So, for many, baptism remains in the background, out of sight, whereas it should be the foundational event for all serious Christian living, all dying to sin and coming alive with Christ. But what does baptism mean for us? What makes it the words of N.T. Wright, the, the foundational event for all serious Christian living? What does baptism really mean for you and for me? To answer that question, we must understand that not only is baptism a sacrament where we pledge allegiance to our Lord, and not only is it filled with imagery of water and life and death and burial and resurrection, there's also something that we enter into with Christ. Our commitment to Jesus and our baptism unites us with the identity, the life, and the mission of Jesus Christ. Our lives become a continuation of the life of Christ. The church, us, his people, are the living, breathing body of Christ that represents a new way of being and a new way of living in the world. The very actions and their purpose in this text outline the significance and deep meaning that baptism has for our spirituality. I want to walk through three little elements in the text that I think highlight that. The text says this, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. Baptism connected heaven to earth. The early church fathers noted that the baptism of Jesus was accompanied by other members of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit in the form of a descending dove, and the Father in the words heard from heaven. They expressed that in being baptized, Jesus didn't just model baptism, but blessed the water and the body by being baptized. In other words, by being baptized, they also concluded that Jesus had built a bridge, if you will, from earth to heaven, or the overlapping of heaven and earth. He connected the two in a way that only he could, making it possible for every child of God to be connected to the Father. Now, many hear this part of the story of Jesus' baptism, and because God is the distant voice in the story, we continue to come to a picture of God that is transcendent that he is, quote-unquote, up in heaven or out there somewhere beyond our ability to perceive or our capacity to understand. The belief that God is out there is a dualism that is tearing us apart. Our view of God as separate and distant has affected our relationships with food, possessions, money, 
sexuality, nature, politics, and our very own selves. However, to get the picture of God as out there from this story is to misunderstand the entire point of Jesus undergoing John's baptism. It is not to underscore God's transcendence, but God's eminence. It was to reveal God's presence among God's people. It had multiple effects. One was to say to be human is good. The material and the physical can be enjoyed. But another was to reveal to everyone that God is present, that he is with us. The point of God becoming human was to reach out to us or to meet us where we are. Jesus became one of us, not only to model for us what a holy, righteous life can look like, but then also through his death and resurrection to offer us salvation and an abundant life. The text goes on to say, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. We are indwelt by the Spirit for mission. Now, Jesus' baptism took place at the beginning of his earthly ministry, and this moment marked the beginning of his miraculous and prophetic work. And the start of that work was marked by the Spirit, the Spirit descending in the form of a dove. We too have received the Spirit. We are empowered by the Spirit, equipped by the Spirit, and invited by the Spirit into the mission of God. Chris Keating, reflecting on today's gospel reading, describes baptism as a, quote, touching moment for the church that usually ends in brunch at grandma's house. He goes on to say, but Jesus's baptism wasn't cute. No adorable gown, no inspiring chorus sung by a choir. Matthew's stripped down just the facts account of Jesus's baptism renders the reader breathless. As Jesus emerges out of the water, the heavens are torn open, and a voice declares, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And immediately Jesus heads out, not to brunch, but into the wilderness. He doesn't post pictures on Instagram. He doesn't hang out with his cousin. Instead, Jesus runs. He heads to the wild and woolly places of the world where evil awaits and tragedy is common. We know these wilderness places all too well. There are places where mothers are accidentally shot by their toddler sons, where suicide bombers strike crowded civic centers, or airplanes crash into oceans. Kidding concludes by saying Jesus' baptism leads him straight to the world's misery, which may make us rethink the meaning of baptism. Jesus was empowered by the Spirit and immediately set out on mission. God's liberating Spirit caused Jesus, and likewise should cause us, to enter into the complex issues of the world today. Jesus, when describing at the very beginning of his ministry, says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor or good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to the, let the oppressed go free 
and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord or a year of the Lord's favor. We are to allow our baptism to lead us into the mission of God. We are to take up the very things that concern the heart of Jesus, to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Finally, the text reads, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We are deeply loved by the Father. The amazing reality of the gospel is that in Jesus, God says the same thing to us. In Jesus Christ, the Father says, This is my beloved son or daughter with whom I am well pleased. You are now defined as a loved child of God, and you have all the benefits and the blessings of an adopted child. We see this in the letter to the Galatians. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. Now, often as Christians, we desire approval from God and we'll even act in ways to seek that approval. The truth of the matter is that by virtue of our baptism and our life in Christ, we are free to live our life under God's liberating spirit of approval. And T. Wright goes on to say this, the whole Christian gospel could be summed up in this point, that when the living God looks at us, at every baptized and believing Christian, He says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. He sees us not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in Jesus Christ. It sometimes seems impossible, especially to people who have never had this kind of support from their earthly parents, but it's true. God looks at us and says, you are my dear, dear child. I'm delighted with you. The intimacy portrayed in this story defies the expected or anticipated understanding of the nature of the divine for the people in Jesus' time. It even pushes against large swaths of the church today where we are guilted into obedience rather than loved into discipleship. The God depicted in this story is radically intimate. See, our commitment to Jesus in our baptism unites us with the identity, the life, and the mission of Jesus Christ, where we become a continuation of the life of Christ. It is his baptism that reminds us that God connected heaven to earth. This thin place allowed us and allowed for our indwelling by the Spirit for a life of mission that is motivated by the truth that we are the sons and daughters of the radically intimate King. Today, may we live into this reality. May we fully begin to understand our baptism. Amen. Before we close today, we have a few announcements to share about what's coming up. 
We have an exciting opportunity for medical professionals, a new short happening in February for women, and some additional info about the DIY retreat. Here are the details from Kelly, Nicole, and Julie. Hi, my name is Kelly Rizk, and I am helping organize a medical mission trip to Egypt this June. We will be partnering with a ministry that serves people throughout the Middle East to provide medical clinics in three different areas in Cairo and Alexandria. Our team will consist of a variety of medical professionals and anyone else who has a heart to serve. We are inviting you to partner with us through prayer, financial support, and or by joining our team. If you'd like to learn more about how you can partner with us, please join me for an informational meeting on Tuesday, February 2nd. My contact information and how to RSVP for the meeting can be found in the loop. Thank you. Hey everyone, my name is Nicole Peterson and I'll be leading an upcoming short at Newcom called Emotionally Healthy Women. This short is designed for any woman out there who feels tired, weary, and burned out on faith and religion. Maybe you're struggling with loneliness or your relationships lack depth or you haven't allowed time to process your stress from the last year. If so, you are not alone. And this short is for you. Over the course of six weeks, we'll spend time learning how to integrate our emotional health with our spiritual health and learn the art of quitting, quitting rhythms and relational habits that are damaging to our soul and the souls of others. This short is based on a book written by Jerry Scazzaro, and I can tell you firsthand how transformational it was for me. The book became a balm to my weary soul as I tried to figure out how to be a faithful disciple of Jesus while being honest with myself and others. I wanted to pursue spiritual things, but felt burdened by behaviors that, while socially acceptable in most churches and familial settings, were lethal to my soul. Maybe you're feeling like I did, that I just can't keep pretending everything is fine. Full disclosure, this isn't a casual tip of the iceberg kind of short. We'll dive deep into the depths of our beings, but don't worry. While you courageously open those spaces up to Jesus, we'll provide support, prayer, community, and physical techniques to help you listen to your body and discover how the Holy Spirit wants to move in and through you while you explore a safe environment to process emotions in a positive, healthy, and life-giving way. If you choose to join this short, this book and the resources we'll explore each week will provide a sustainable structure that allows you to receive God's love more profoundly and truly flourish in your daily life. There's limited space available, so If you're interested in joining, sign up via In The Loop this coming week or visit the Newcom website. Can't wait to see you there. Hi, new community. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the DIY retreat that we have coming up. We are really excited about it. If you have not signed up yet, please click on the tab. All you got to do is give us a little bit of your information and choose which weekend you want to do so that we can email you the packet. Um, It's all electronic. Um, It's free, and it is going to be a really great time. Uh, If you are trying to plan ahead a little bit, I just wanted to give you a little bit of information about it. The way that we have set up the schedule is that it is basically four main sessions. And the reason that we have set it over two days is because we really wanted to allow you the time and space to not only enter into the readings and the videos and the links and things that we are going to be providing you. But we also intentionally within the schedule have created space for solitude and meditation and time to dig into the word and uh, just the space for you to be able to fully enter into this time. So it is designed that it will take up the weekend, but 
at the same time, if you want to do that with somebody else, our encouragement would be that you could do the times and the sessions um, alone so you have some solitude and then set up a couple times throughout each day to either Zoom with somebody or talk with somebody to reflect on your reflections um, and to maybe talk about some of the questions that it brought up, some of the um, some of the things you want to see different in your life or just things that you're learning and areas that you're being stretched. So again, this is designed that you can do it fully alone um, or you can discuss some of the things that you're learning with somebody else. And if that is your plan and want to plan ahead, just choose a couple times throughout those two days, whichever weekend is yours, to meet up with somebody um, and talk about it. So we, again, are really excited for this time. We think it's going to be really fruitful and really needed right in this time. So if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. And I look forward to seeing you sign up soon. New community, please join me as I read this benediction. New community, may the word of our Lord inspire us and may the truth of our Lord center us. Go into this week with eyes to see people as created and loved. Go into this week and know you are created and are loved. May we each day attune our ears to the still small voices of our spirit and use our hands for the good work you have prepared before us. We ask all these things in the name of the Holy Father, the precious Son, and the active spirit. Amen.